I'm Liz, your host and the wife and mom behind Unedited Motherhood. Together, we'll talk about all the struggles that we face as adults. Nothing is off limits. We'll uncover important truths and maybe even learn some tips to make our lives a little simpler and a lot more enjoyable. Thanks for joining me. Have you been having a difficult time getting your hands on some high quality animal protein? Before using ButcherBox, I was having to visit multiple grocery stores to find the quality of chicken, beef, pork, and fish that I like to buy. Now I can select what cuts of meat I want and design my own box each month with ButcherBox. In addition, I can select special member deals and add-ons each month to fit my meal plan and fill my freezer. I pick what day I want it to be billed, customizing each date based on my current quantity, knowing it'll come in just two days. Try ButcherBox today. Use the link in my show notes or on the blog for $30 off your first order. Well, we've already moved from preparing for marriage to navigating marriage. Um, and uh, we have a couple questions that came in um, through Instagram that I'd like to address. How to navigate or how do you navigate um, friendships that your partner is not a part of? And I think this is probably um, could be answered two ways because whether it's a girl that has a girlfriend or a guy, the, the husband or spouse that has a guy friend versus somebody of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think that that's another expectation piece that we didn't cover, but I think this, that is huge. Yeah. Um, for relationships. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's start with the more simple one. (laughs) (laughs) Friendships in general that your partner is not a part of. Um, I think vulnerability is a part of this, but just like being really clear, right. Of sharing this friendship with your partner, sharing why it's important to you. Um, Mm -hmm. not keeping secrets, right. Not Mm-hmm. not withholding things that can impact your relationship with this friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's healthy for you to have interests that your partner doesn't necessarily have the same interests in. Right. Right. That's, we all need things that are ours. Not right. that we just keep to ourselves, but mm-hmm. that we can de- develop on our own time too. We don't mm-hmm. have to do everything with our partner right? That is, that's not realistic that you guys are going to enjoy doing every single activity together. You're going to spend every single minute together. Well, and right. Like we said, like if we're not taking care of ourselves and I think Mm -hmm. part of that is having time to do things that you enjoy doing, um, you know, on your own or, or with, you know, a friend. Mm -hmm. I think the area that I hear come up most often in my work and I, even in my own relationship is when you feel like you, your partner feels like you're giving more time to your friendships than your own relationship. Right. Right. And so I think that's where it's clear to be having those conversations of, you know, Hey, I'm going to go out to dinner with my girlfriends tonight, you know, not asking for permission, but how do you feel about that? Right. And to give your partner the ability to say like, oh, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. cool. I would like to spend some time with you too. Can we Mm -hmm. find some time to do that? Or I feel like you've been spending so much of your time doing that. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm at the bottom of the totem pole 
and that doesn't right. really feel very good. Can mm-hmm. we increase our time together or have more quality time together? Mm-hmm. But and then I, you're having a conversation about it. And I think that's a layered thing too, because you may not like your spouse's friends, right? Mm-hmm. So that could yeah. be a resentment piece for you. Um, and then another thing is, what does the relationship with those friends look like? Like what were the boundaries with what you share with your spouse versus what you share with your friends? I think a perfect example of this is the movie. I love you, man with Paul Rudd and Rashida Jones. Um, they're getting married and she's on the phone telling them that they, she got engaged and they were like, Oh, is that, you know, when he went down on you at da, 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 da. And he was like, you told them about that. <laughs> so I think there's also, um, sorry, that was inappropriate guys, but <laughs> there's like this, this idea, um, that I feel like needs to be communicated with your partner or, you know, some, whether it's spoken or unspoken, like a boundary of what you share with your friends and what you don't, especially in regards to your relationship with your spouse. Um, because I found myself, and I think it's one thing if it's like a best friend that you're, you're leaning on for support in your relationship versus just calling to vent, um, or just to gossip. Um, but I found myself being like, what would, I think if I knew my husband was out having a conversation with one of his buddies about, you know, something I did. And if I'm not okay with that, which usually I'm not, you know, I think marriage needs to be fixed within the marriage, you know, generally speaking, if it can and not, you know, not about venting to your friends about, you know, your spouse's issues. Um, So I think that's another thing is if you know that your friend crosses or if your spouse crosses a boundary with a friend that you're not comfortable with um that could be another point of resentment with them spending time together um and then back to that first exception I made about not really caring for your spouse's friends and I think that this um can happen in two ways I think one you're you kind of inherit your spouse's friends from before you were together um and sometimes and a lot of times there's um a change in people once they're with their partner, like my husband and I, for sure, I'm a different person than I was before I got married. Um, so I'm not friends with some of the people I was before I got married and he's not friends with some of the people he was before he got married or, you know, before we got married. Um, and I think that some of the people that he's described to me from before we got married, I'm like, I don't even think I would want you spending time with those people because I don't, you don't share the same values as those people. And I think people struggle to let go. And we kind of talked about this in friendship, but people struggle to let go of friendships that don't, you know, reflect who they want to be anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be especially damaging to a relationship or a no marriage. Yeah. Well, it's interesting as you were talking about that, I was thinking about similar, but this idea of your partner doesn't like who you're friends with and how that sometimes can feel like a, I don't want to say infidelity, but can feel like an affair, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes they don't like the person you're friends with because you are now getting your emotional needs met through them versus trying to come to your partner and get that need met mm-hmm. or giving your partner the chance to meet that need. Mm -hmm. Um, not saying that it's all on you, 
But if your partner's saying there's a this is the reason I'm not really comfortable with this friendship and you're just blatantly being like, oh well, get over it, that's a huge issue, right? Mm-hmm. You're not listening to understand how they feel. And you can have a conversation. It doesn't mean you have to stop being friends with them, but we should hold what our partner shares with us to heart um, and be curious about it versus saying like, you're making a big, big deal out of this. It's not a big deal. Move on. Right. Right? That doesn't allow you to connect. Right. And so there's a follow-up thought there. Does your partner know how you feel about this friend Mm -hmm. or are you kind of internalizing it and letting it become a point of resentment? You know, I, people might feel like it's not their place to judge their spouse's friendships, but if it's affecting your marriage, yeah, then it needs to be discussed. Um, so yeah. And then, yeah. then it got, this got me thinking, I was like, Oh, was this really the simpler question? Cause I feel like that got <laughs> pretty complex, Yeah, um, it was not. <laughs> but then there's, you know, the question of having friends of the opposite sex when you're married. Mm-hmm. And I think this really goes back to you know, expectations for sure, because expectations and trust. there's two kinds of people. There's people that think that, um, people that are, uh, you know, of the opposite attraction can be, you know, platonic friends. And then there's people that think that you can't. And as a young adult, I would have said, yeah, you can absolutely have platonic friendships because all of my friends with a few exceptions were guys. Um, but what I failed to admit to myself at that time was that those really weren't platonic friendships because most of the time one of us had feelings for the other, even if they were never said out loud or, mm-hmm. you know, acted upon. Yeah. Um, and I think you, that's definitely a conversation that needs to be had with a spouse because I remember yeah. Josh and I were dating and he he hung out with a group of friends where there was a girl there and it was a girl that I'd heard stories about. And I was like, well, I don't think I'm going to like her. And he wasn't interested in this girl and this girl wasn't interested in him, but it was while we were dating and he went out with a a group of people and she was there. And I was like, oh, I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) And that was extremely insecure and jealous of me at the time because we were a very new couple. Um, but you still like, that's a point of vulnerability, even if it was wrong for me to feel that way, you know, I let him know that I wasn't okay with it at the time, because it was important for him to know what I was struggling with. If our relationship was going to work. Well, yeah. I mean, I believe you can have platonic friendships even while married and whether it's, you know, if I had a male friend, Um, most of my male friends have come from other, like being friends with the female partner first. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it comes back to being able to have conversations, right? Being able to tell your partner, like, I'm going to hang out with so-and-so and and we're going to be doing this and then sharing what you did when you got back, right? Not to like check, uh, how do I phrase it? Not... uh, it's not because you have to, but it's because you want to, and you want to keep that open communication. So just to be clear, you're saying you as a married woman hanging out with another man that may or may not be married, like just the two of you one-on-one hanging out without your spouse. I'm not, I don't think I've done that myself. Right, right, right. I'm just saying, is that the situation you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm referring to. And I, I think it is feasible 
one, it's you being aware of, you know, is this just about friendship, right? Or am I getting needs that I want to be met with my partner met through this person? Mm -hmm. That's a red flag. And are you willing to have a conversation with your partner about the friendship, right? And being willing to hear their concerns if they have any and taking Mm -hmm. it to heart. Um, So I think it's similar to what you're describing, right? Of I have to be vulnerable and share this with my partner, Mm -hmm. even if even if it's just an insecurity of mine right? Um, and be willing to understand why this friendship is important to your partner. Because right. And I be think that's the more important thing is like, is it really a relationship or a friendship that's valuable enough to you mm-hmm. to expect your partner to understand that you can hang out with them one-on-one yeah. Yeah. and, you know, work through the repercussions of that? Because honestly, I would never be okay with, with my husband hanging out with another woman, whether or not she was married. I don't give any Fs like that. Just, you know, I, I personally, I would never be okay with that. And, you know, can I, I think, ask why? Well, I don't believe that even if a, at a point in time, a, a girl guy or, you know, whatever friendship could be platonic, that it will always be platonic. I think that they're will always be a point in the friendship where feelings will come up, whether or not they're feelings that you want to act on or not. Um, Men and women were meant to have chemistry and meant to be drawn to each other. And um, I wouldn't expect my husband to be okay with me spending time with another guy because I don't want to spend time with any other men, first of all. And I think especially if it's somebody that had a spouse. Um, I think spending time all four of us together um, would be a way that maybe that friendship could be supported. Um, But in my heart, I just don't feel right about it. And I I don't really have, you know, psychological or anecdotal evidence of why it's, you know, wrong or right. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that men and women are instinct drawn to each other. And when I was hanging out with guys as a young adult, um, there are some times that I would want to have fun, but there was always a part of my mind that was wondering if there could be something more, whether or not I saw this person as marriage material or not, you know, chemistry is why any two people get along, whether it's you and me being friends or whether it's me and a guy or, you know, anybody like you choose your friends based on the connection that you have. And, you know, if I'm not attracted to women, then you and I can have a completely platonic friendship. But Mm -hmm. if you're drawn to guys and there are things that you like about them, then it's only natural that romantic feelings could and may come along. And that's really not something that I'm willing to test, I guess. And I think it's less about trusting, not trusting my partner and more about not trusting whoever he's spending time with, because I wouldn't want him to be in a situation where he had to suppress a feeling or, um, you know, say I'm in a situation that I need to take a step back from. Yeah. I just don't think it's fair to our relationship for him to have to be in that position. Well, and I think this is one of our things in our friendship that I disagree on. 
but I think that's also normal, right? You are being very vulnerable and sharing your point of view and there's nothing wrong with it. I just don't see it the same way. Right. And I can totally respect that that's your point of view and it can make sense to me. And I would be okay with my husband hanging out with another woman. Now, you know, I'm going to want to know how did you become friends or how did you guys meet? Um, I want to be able to have open communication around it. Mm -hmm. But I also trust that even if there's an attraction that he's not going to act on it, right? We are human. We are attracted to the opposite sex or the same sex. And that's a natural part of being human. Mm -hmm. And we all have willpower and control if we choose to utilize it. So for me, it's about, are you going to control your actions? And just because you see someone who looks attractive or you're hanging out with someone who's attractive, then you're not going to act upon it. Right. Um, And so for me, it's that ability to have that trust with each other. Right. Um, And I think it's probably like the way we see this too, is probably dependent on our own life paths too. Right. There are things that have happened in my life where I really can push into that trust Mm -hmm. um, and really believe that that can be true versus if you haven't been tested in that way, then totally I'd be in probably in your shoes of like, yeah, I'm not going to test it at all then. Um, But I have been in experiences in relationships where that has been tested and we've come out the other side. And so Mm -hmm. I do believe that I could be friendships with a guy and hang out one-on-one. I mean, I don't, most of them are probably career related if I'm doing that right Right. now, but I do feel like we would be able to trust each other if that was something that's happening right Right. now. Although it's now that I'm talking about, we're not doing that. Right. And I think part of, part of coming to that decision, in addition to your own life experiences is your own philosophical mm-hmm. beliefs. Yeah. Like if you believe that men and women were created to find partners and procreate, then ideally once you found that partner, the search would be over. And I think that's a primal, you know, like maybe historically a primal kind of thing. Um, Mm-hmm. but, but yeah. And I don't, it's not that I don't trust him. I just, yeah. you know, I, I want to spend as much time with him as I can. I have my own things that I'm interested in and to decompress, you know, I just don't really want to hang out with any other guys, but I think the bigger thing is that you and I are on different sides of it. And that's representative of how couples can be on opposite sides of this same issue. So mm-hmm. say we were married Right. And I was like, I don't want you hanging out with anybody else. <laughs> By the way, I saw a mug at um, at Home Goods, and it said "wifey" and it had a little heart on it. Oh and I gosh. took a picture because I wanted to send it to you. <laughs> um, but anyway. I've been laughing because I'm like, this is why we were a bad married couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think it's a really valid, you know, point of discussion because, as vehemently as I feel my way, you feel your way, and that's fine because we're friends and we don't have to agree on everything. But if we were married, you know, how, who's right and who's wrong and where do you draw a line? You know, if, if it's really important to me Mm -hmm. that you don't spend time with another woman, if Mm -hmm. you were a man, you know, then, you know, if you were the other half and you were saying, well, go, go hang out with your, you know, your married guy friend after work and get a drink, you know, um, Mm -hmm. 
when you said, well, I don't want to. And he's like, well, I do want to. So where do you, how do you navigate that? That's a really heavy question. Um, And I don't know that there's a good answer for it because I don't, you know, we call this in couples counseling, the gridlock issues, right. Mm -hmm. Of there are things that you both have differing opinions or perspectives on, and you may never come to the same exact page, but in gridlock issues, the goal is that you will keep having these conversations and moving mm-hmm. towards more understanding from them. Right. Um, and that even though they come up over and over and over again, that you would both be willing to turn into the conversation and keep having it um, and be willing to respect the boundaries, right? So in this example, if you have the conversation and you both under- understand each other's perspective and you just tell the other person, well, I'm still going to do what I want to do that's not respect. Right. Right. That's just being selfish and saying, you know, I hear what you're saying and I don't care, which you can only imagine how that's going to impact your partner. Right. So what are some ways that, um, we couples can move through this, say you had a really good friend from before you were married and Brad was not okay with you hanging out with him. Um, what are some ways that maybe you could do it? Maybe the three of you hanging out together, maybe letting your partner know exactly where you're going to be and when you're going to come home or, you know, that friend and your partner being in direct communication, what are some ways that you could maybe try it out as a trial to see if you can make your partner more comfortable with that decision? Yeah. Well, so that's kind of the goal of the conversations is that then you will come up with solutions and you will list any ideas of solutions you have before deciding it won't work. So just like what you were doing, right? You were giving multiple solutions that you could try out. Then the idea is that you will try it out and then come back and evaluate it and see how you're both feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So like a gridlock issue we have in my relationship is chores we will have this gridlock issue for the rest of our lives. I am mentally prepared for that now. I hate it still. (laughs) Um, But most of the time, the reason it was an issue is because he would say, well, let's try this. And I would be like, no, I'm not doing that. That's dumb. I don't like that idea. Instead of really giving it a try and seeing if Mm -hmm. it worked out, I finally tried out the solution and it was dumb. No, (laughs) it didn't work. It wasn't dumb. It was a good (laughs) idea. It did not work, which was frustrating because I thought it wouldn't work. So then I got my point of view was accurate it was validated yeah then we came back to the table of like okay so what do we do now what's another solution to try gridlock issues are not easily resolved and typically are not fully resolved in a marriage um but the positive thing is if you have gridlock issues and you keep having the conversation and are willing to it's a sign of strength in your relationship of this is really difficult and we don't have an easy solution to it, but we're Mm -hmm. still willing to keep working on it together. And that's what matters. Right. So here's another question that we got from the audience. (laughs) How um, do you as a couple adjust from moving away from the two of you to having kids? What, what are some ways that you can prepare or if you don't prepare, 
what are some of the ways that you can kind of repair the relationship, you know, once that dynamic has shifted? Yeah. Well, I mean, with all these things, right. If you can have conversations about it before it happens, really helpful, really beneficial. Um, I rave about this book. I did not read it until six months after having my child. I will now buy it for everyone when I find out they're pregnant. Um, and even if you're not pregnant, it's called And Baby Makes Three by the Gottmans. And I think it lays down a really realistic experience of becoming parents and moving from the two of you to three people plus, mm-hmm. right? And helps you have practical tools and skills to navigate um, the areas that will come up, whether mm-hmm. it's roles and expectations, communication, conflict resolution, um, building a legacy, you know, with your family. You, we all come from legacies, and when we get married, we get to create a new one mm-hmm. together, and we get to decide what does parenting look like for our relationship, what does mm-hmm. growing a family. What do our traditions look like? What do we want to take from our own families? And what do we want to leave? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really good book. I wish I would have read it before having a baby. I literally buy it for everyone I know who's pregnant now. Well, we'll share a link to it. Yeah, it's that good. Um, and I love the Gottmans. That's the method I'm trained in. So I am a little biased, but it's really digestible. And when you say method, is that a therapeutic method that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. The Gottman method is a couples counseling method. Um, all of their research was based in Seattle. They have tons of marriage books, couples counseling books. Okay. Um, Just to give people a little background, because yeah. I'd never heard the Gottman name before. Oh my gosh. I guess I'm a little biased. I'm in Seattle. But the Gottmans have so many books. I'm, I've got two to the left of me right now, and I have probably like five. Um, so if you ever need, if you're not ready for counseling, read one of their books. They're all super helpful. Um, they've got really practical skills for communication, conflict, roles and expectations, merging your lives together. Um, they have so many good books. So, so all you in, have to do, go ahead. So I was going to say in reference to their book and baby makes three, what are mm-hmm. some key takeaways that you can give people to kind of reel them in, um, to why this book might be a good fit for them? Well, I think it really explores roles and expectations very well. Just like we talked about how that's an important conversation in marriage or getting married or being married. When you add more people to your relationship, your Mm -hmm. roles and expectations are going to shift and change again. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really helps you explore what that's going to look like. I know for me, that was some of the hardest Mm -hmm. part of growing our family was the roles and expectations having to change and then needing to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't just change once, guys. No. You haven't had no. kids yet. They continue to change with every developmental period that your child faces and that your career faces and that your finances face. I mean, it's it's a never-ending. I mean, your lives will literally flip upside down and that shouldn't scare you. It should excite you because it's the most incredible change that if you want kids, it's the most incredible change that you'll ever face, Mm -hmm. but it's ever changing. Yeah. Well, even how this question is phrased, right? How to adjust from the two of you to growing your family. 
I feel like it, the answer is you just need to learn how to accept adjusting for a continual length of time. And by length of time, I mean a few decades mm-hmm. um, because it is nonstop. I mean, I just finished the first year. You finish your fourth, second first year, but four years of parenting. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't make any sense. Yeah. Unless you second year me. with my first or second year, <laughs> first year with my second. And fourth year with my first yeah. <laughs> numbers. And I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't even think I have the amount of fingers now to name how many adjustments happened in that first year alone. Mm-hmm. And um, I think especially the further you go into parenthood, like for example, today, well, what I was going to finish that sentence, um, <laughs> the more you, you kind of forget how much has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, since having our second child, my husband and I haven't spent nearly as much one-on-one time outside of the house with our first, um, we were really close to my parents, like less than 10 minutes from my parents for the first several months. Um, so we had a lot of support to spend time one-on-one together. And when our daughter was a little bit older, we lived closer to my husband's parents. So we were able to sneak out, you know, during nap time or after we put her to bed, we could sneak out because there was just one. But when there's two, you know, I think the biggest change that people fail to anticipate is the change between your marriage, the relationship mm-hmm. with your spouse, because yeah. it takes more of an effort to maintain a sex life and intimacy is a key part of a relationship. And so, um, you know, it's not that you won't have as much sex because, because you can continue to have as much sex after as before. You just have to make sure that you're prioritizing the aspects of your relationship that are important to you. My husband and I mm-hmm. went somewhere today. Um, it was terrible. It was the home and garden show downtown and it was absolutely pitiful, complete waste of time. But we got out just the two of us for like three and a half hours, or actually this was yesterday. I'm sorry, but that was the longest that we'd been out away from both kids in over a year. Mm -hmm. And we drove downtown and, you know, we had to walk outside for a little bit and then we were walking back and we thought, are we hungry? Do we want to stop and get something to eat somewhere? Where do we want to go? And then we thought, oh, well, let's stop at the mall and, you know, return this and let's go walk around to Marshall's and see if they have any lucky brand jeans for you. And um, we hadn't felt that burden lifted of not having to either tote a child around with us. Are they cranky? Is it nap time? Are they hungry? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in over a year. And yeah. it was it just made us both think, wow, do you remember when we were dating and this is all we did was sit around and talk about what we should do for the day. (laughs) And, you know, we realized how crazy, uh, Dwayne's crying. I'm going to have to go nurse him, but we just realized how far our relationship had come and how, you know, we both, you know, missed spending as much time as we wanted together all the time before having kids. But then we thought, you know, if we're willing to sacrifice that for anybody, it's, it's for our children who are the love of our lives. So it's all about change in perspective, but also 
making sure that if your relationship you're, is going to change that you're on, you know, you're prepared for that and you make time to prioritize. prioritize. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that you have to help you adjust is to be more intentional. If you can practice being intentional with your time right now and what you do together, you're going to be able to implement that as you grow your family, because that's what you're describing is you have to be really intentional mm-hmm. with the time that you do have for each other right. once you grow your family. Okay. I got to go nurse yeah. him real quick. I'll be right back. So we got another question online from a listener that asked how to make a marriage work when you have a child with special needs. What enlightenment can you share about that? Yeah. Well, I'm going to start by just prefacing that I'm not an expert in this area, nor have I had specialized training on, on this. However, I have heard lots of stories from my trainings that there's still the theme of being intentional of your communication. Um, So something I've created in my own practice that you can download on my website for free too is what I call a weekly relationship check-in guide. And the point of the guide is to be really intentional about talking about what's happening, you know, each week on your calendar, especially if you're parents, right? And if you're working, you know, what work meetings, what activities, what appointments are coming up, but there's conversations too about what worked the week before, what could have gone better, right? What didn't work in the previous week. Mm -hmm. And then talking about what are your individual needs, but what are also your couple needs, right? What's your relationship needs? And then a question about what is, what would emotional support look like for you this week? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's all the questions. I might be missing one on the check-in guide, but I think that can be a really practical tool to implement because I can imagine you know, being a parent already has challenges and busy schedules, but caring for a child with special needs, I can imagine that pressure and intensity increases. And that most likely means it's a lot harder to have intentional conversation, have intentional connection, Mm -hmm. because you have to spend a lot of energy, time and focus caring for your child, which is so important. And it's easy to then let your relationship be on the back burner. Mm -hmm. And so this guide or kind of asking these questions is to prevent it from being on the back burner and to work together on your relationship, but also on your family of how do we be teammates in this versus I'm doing this and you're doing this. And of course we're disconnected because we don't actually understand what's top priority this week or what our top needs are. Right. Um, yeah. I think a lot of families struggle with, with meeting the needs of everybody in the family once there's kids, because there's, Mm -hmm. everybody has conflicting schedules and priorities and needs maybe putting, um, a spreadsheet or a calendar or whatever kind of tool that you're going to use to monitor everybody's you know, Mm -hmm. schedule and needs and emotional needs say like mom needs to get out of the house for one hour by herself each week, or dad needs to, you know, hang out with his buddies, you know, whatever, whatever is important to the parents and whatever the needs of the kid are. So if the kid has, um, like maybe medicine or office visits or things like that, that happen regularly, or that happen multiple times throughout the day, 
if there's not a chart for that, maybe that would help. Yeah. So it's not just all word of mouth communication, but that there's a central place where both parents can look to make sure that things are being guided. And I know getting things out of my head and onto paper or into a system really helps my mental clarity and my emotional health as well. Yeah. And in my, in the guide I created, there's like a sample calendar of, you know, exploring, you know, work appointments, dates, right? Like sitting down. So you're mm-hmm. sitting down and having a conversation together, but then you're also sitting down and mapping out the week together too. Right. Because I know in my own experience, sometimes like we had this conversation last night. I was like, oh shoot, like I scheduled an additional client because I'm off work next week. And I kept telling myself, tell your husband, tell, tell, tell Bradley, tell Bradley. And this I scheduled last Friday and it was Monday that I finally remembered, oh, I forgot to tell you about this, which is where I can really benefit from utilizing my own tool of like sitting down on Sundays and saying, this is what's mm-hmm. happening this week. Right. Let's align our schedules and just make sure we're both aware of what's going on and also aware what, what we both need and how we can support each other this week. Because yeah. if you're not being intentional with those conversations, of course, you're having conflict. Of course, you feel disconnected. Of course, you feel like what is happening? This is not the relationship I wanted or envisioned because you're not talking about it. Right. So Rachel, let's finish off this interview. We've given everybody a lot to chew on, um, with one more question. Um, and this is a big one too, but I think it's an important one. Um, how can you ensure, or how can your relationship ensure that you're growing together and not apart when either learning or practicing your own self-development or any kind of um, curve that your relationship takes, how can you make sure that you're staying on the same page and growing closer to each other and not apart from each other? Well, I think we have referenced the way to ensure you're growing together instead of apart multiple times through this episode, Mm -hmm. which is to keep the communication going. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so it's so funny how we wrote these questions probably like a few months ago and now we're talking about them and it feels like they've all happened like right. this week in my relationship. Um, but it's normal for one of you to maybe growing or developing in an area mm-hmm. and for the other person to maybe not be doing that or mm-hmm. it's kind of that like a standpoint, not in a bad way, but just like they've kind of hit their goal. Right. Right. Um, they've plateaued. Yeah. They plateaued in a, in a good or a bad way. Um, but the important piece is that you just keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I think an area that comes up a lot in relationships is your, your personal health. Um, you know, we've all heard about like the love pounds or as you age, your body shifts and changes. So it doesn't process food as well, or, you know, you can't physically do the same things that you used to do. And that can become a concern, right? I know for me, it's, I want to stay healthy so I can live longer and I can keep up with my children. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want the same thing for my partner and, are the ways we go about that can look different for me. It includes working out, um, personal development of what am I reading and listening to, 
Um, and right now, like being in my own therapy again. And for him, it looks different. Sometimes I don't like the way it looks. Um, and so we have conversations about it of here's what I'm concerned. And this is why it matters to me. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about that? What are you concerned about this? Um, are you willing to, you know, take what I'm saying to heart and consider it? Mm -hmm. But it's an open conversation. It's not me just saying you need to do this. Right. Um, and it's me kind of reaching out my hand to him and saying, join me in this. Mm -hmm. I, I, I want you to be a part of this. I don't want to do this alone. Mm -hmm. Some of this, I am taking my own individual steps on, but I want you to do it with me if you want to. I'm right. not going to force you to, I'm not going to demand that you do it, but I think this is something that will add to our relationship. Right. I think sometimes I had, I had a friend that started to do some personal development and I don't think, um, her spouse was supportive of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that this goes back to something that I learned at Starbucks in management, which was the idea of a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. And I don't know yeah. if um, people have, have heard this before, but you know, we always have goals, whether it's with your career or with your personal life. Um, you have these metrics that you'd like to hit where you measure your success. If I can reach you know, this metric, then I'll be happy with my success or I'll feel like I've accomplished something. And fixed mindset means that when you reach that, you don't aim higher. And the growth mindset is that you never plateau. You know, you're always aimed higher and higher to become, you know, your best self or to reach, you know, the highest of the highs. Um, and I think that it's, there's people that have, you know, a fixed mindset and then the, the other spouse might have a growth mindset and it's definitely changeable. It's not like, you know, you can only be one or the other. Um, but I think that it takes a wanting to change, to go from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And I think some people, you know, they have their sights set on a life that they want. And as long as they are measuring up to that idea in their mind, they don't care to go any further than that. And I think other people, you know, they want to continue to better themselves. And I think when one spouse wants to better themselves and the other one doesn't, it can cause um, resentment or maybe feeling like you're not on the same page anymore. Like, Hey, I thought this is what we wanted. And now mm -hmm. you're making me look bad or um, you know, you're, you're moving forward past where I want to be. And that threatens, you know, my ideals. Yeah. Well, I think there's a piece too of you can both be growth mindset oriented and still have a different idea of how it plays out. Um, yeah. I think that often happens in my own relationship of I am growth oriented. I'm also achiever oriented and I kind of want to do it all. Whereas mm -hmm. I think my husband is a little bit more sustainable at times of he, he has goals and he's growing, but he doesn't desire to do it all. And that's mm -hmm. okay. Even though it irks me at times. I'm like, but there's so much, like, let's keep going. Let's, you know, never stop. And he can help me slow down sometimes or remind me like, it's okay to rest. It's okay to recover. 
and still be growing. Mm -hmm. Um, that is just as important as working towards the next thing. Um, so I think it's important to name that piece too, because Mm -hmm. you can both be growth oriented and still have a different plan of action. Are you Mm -hmm. still having conversations? Are you trying to understand each other's perspective or plan and Mm -hmm. finding ways that you can compromise or be flexible and adaptable to each other's direction that Mm -hmm. you're wanting to grow in? Yeah, I think a problem that most people face with this is religion and Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm other things that people come to later in life that are kind of foundational pieces, um, where their, their minds change or their perspective changes. And it's something that the other person isn't willing to budge on. I think, um, how other than divorce, you know, what, what are some of those gridlock issues that people kind of come to years in when it comes to marriage other than religion? Hmm. Well, I think parenting, right? How to go about parenting and disciplining and raising a child. Um, Retiring, right? What does life look like after working for so long? Mm -hmm. Um, What does retirement look like? I think that's a huge one, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I think this may be getting into next week's content, but I think familial issues too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Can, can play a huge part in this. Yeah. 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 Whether it's familiar, familial uh, parenting or aging parents, Mm -hmm. um, extended family gatherings or holidays, how you celebrate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think those are some of the, the ones that can show up later and can be really challenging to navigate. But gridlock issues, but the key with them is that you keep communicating. You keep mm-hmm. working on it and turning towards each other rather than turning away from each other. Right. So guys, that that wraps up our marriage conversation for today. Uh, I know we covered a lot and it probably left you with more questions. So if there are questions that you still have, send me an email or a DM at Unedited Motherhood Podcast on Instagram or you can direct yourself to Rachel, um, who does this for a living. Um, Rachel, where can people find you? How can people connect with you? Um, give us some ways that people can, um, find you. Thanks. Uh, so like you said, in the beginning, I have a Facebook page called building stronger marriages, whether you're married or not really great advice for relationships. You can find me on Instagram at Rachel Elder Therapy. I typically share posts Monday through Friday. Um, I also have an email list. Um, Best way to to get on that is to um, message me on Instagram, or you can email me at rachelelderthérapy at gmail.com if you want to get on the list and get any of the free resources that I've created and share and to hear about upcoming workshops Um, and courses that you can participate in to grow your relationship. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know you do uh, couples counseling as well. Um, Is that something that you do long distance remote or is that reserved for people local to Seattle area? 
Unfortunately, due to licensing laws, I can only provide therapy for those who are in Washington state only. Um, so if you're in the area, I would love to be of support. If you're not and you're looking for a couples counselor, I'm also happy to help you find someone in the area that you are in. I have connections all over and want to make finding that fit for therapy easier as it can be challenging. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel, for all the time that you've put into these um, conversations that we've had. They have been very enlightening to me and hopefully have been enlightening to our listeners as well. Thanks for having me. So like Rachel shared, you can find her all over the internet. She's on Instagram at Rachel Elder Therapy. She has a Facebook page called Building Stronger Marriages, and she has a practice in Seattle, Washington. So if you are in Washington State, you can reach out to her for um, counseling or therapy. All of those will be linked down in the show notes and on the blog. We will definitely be having Rachel back on the podcast in the future. Uh, We've got lots to talk about, and I can't thank you guys enough for being part of this series with us. We've been friends for so long that it was such a blast through these conversations for us to go back to when we first met and we're boy crazy and in high school and dating and marching band and then kind of see the you know, the path that our friendship took over the years to now us being married and across the country and having kids. And I hope that that excitement and fun came through for you guys as well. So next week, we'll be back on the podcast talking about gardening. Heidi is back with us. We're going to be doing a series on starting a garden using the no dig, no till method. I'm really excited about it. This is how I'm doing my garden for the first time this year. And I could not be more thrilled and more anxious to get started. So join us next Tuesday, April 6th, as Heidi and I dive into that. Have a great week.